0: Doubt the devil. Doubt everything. The truth about disinformation. Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. And I don't know about you, but I am getting pretty sick of hearing about all this quote-unquote disinformation. Turn on the television, the nightly news, pull up social media... Uh, Listen to any politician speaking, and you're going to hear all about all this disinformation that all these uh, authoritative sources are just doing their damnedest to combat. Apparently, disinformation is at an all-time high. So, in this podcast, I'm going to give you an interesting frame ...for the disinformation conversation. I'm not really going to try to tell you here what is or is not disinformation. I'll kind of leave you with your uh, critical faculties to figure that out for yourself. But I've got a, a larger view for you to take on this. And if you find yourself at a cocktail party anytime soon... Which I do recommend. I mean, it's summertime. It's a pretty good... The environs are ideal for cocktail parties. If you find yourself at such a function and the, uh, the disinformation problem comes up, I've got a, an, an interesting way for you, to, for you to frame this up, for you to insert some, some nuance into uh, the contentious debate around all this. So let's dive in. I did a No Black Pill April. That's something I came up with because it sort of rhymes. No Black Pill April. And Black Pill is, of course, internet parlance for depressing news content. The news is, more often than not, depressing and cortisol-stimulating of course, I don't watch the nightly news on television, uh, Fox News or CNN or CNBC, any one of those. But over the past few years, I've become a bit of a political news junkie, uh, following a bunch of alternative news uh, personalities and outlets. So I followed everyone on Twitter and which I do recommend. I kept that up and I unsubscribed from everyone I followed on YouTube uh, that discussed the news for a whole month. Well, actually, the Twitter thing, I kept up with that. At this point on Twitter, I only follow two other accounts, which are my other companies. It's it's kind of nice not getting drawn into the the scroll hole of twitter so i'd encourage you to try doing a no black pill april or uh, whatever month you find yourself in listening to this but honestly it didn't make that much of a difference in my subjective mood and mental health in april but i've got an interesting philosophical takeaway from it. So I'll start by posing a question to you, a big question. Is history a hoax? So during my No Black Pill April, I started exploring some new podcasts. When you're not listening to podcasts and programs about the news, you've got some time open that you can explore some new things, right? And I stumbled upon this unnerving Higher Side Chats podcast interview with this kind of smart-seeming guy who had a conspiracy theory about how history was a hoax, like all of history was a hoax. He didn't really believe in any history beyond his own lifetime. So we all know that history is mostly speculation layered upon speculation based upon a few hard verifiable facts with also a lot of propaganda baked in because we don't have time machines. And for much of history, we don't have photographic or video evidence. I think of Graham Hancock, and he wrote two excellent alternative history books that I really enjoyed. I reviewed those. I did really thorough book reviews of those two books. I do recommend that you check out my book reviews of, what was it, America Before and uh, Fingerprints of the Gods. I did two book reviews of those that you are going to want to are going to want to check out. I guarantee you those are going to stimulate a bit of a novelty for you. And so these books were they were large, thorough books. They contained hundreds and hundreds of footnotes referencing other books written years, decades or centuries earlier. And Graham Hancock, uh, I did actually email back and forth with him. He was a uh, a surprisingly open guy. He has conducted some original research visiting ancient archaeological sites and analyzing uh, iconography, but mostly his books and theories, which you are probably familiar with if you uh I don't know, have caught some of his Joe Rogan interviews, for example. But he, so his books and theories are building upon the work of others. That that is how most history is. That is how most nonfiction is. So the conspiracy theorist that believed that history was a hoax, and I don't use that term, conspiracy theorist, uh, facetiously. I know very well that it's human nature to conspire. So... He contended that he looked for source, foundational documents, or evidence proving the commonly accepted narratives of history. Uh, ancient Greece, Rome, Egypt, etc. And he found nothing. And you can listen to his podcast to, uh, to figure out how... figure out his whole story and that's just hard to hard for me to believe i don't buy the history as a hoax thing because where i live in europe i walk by roman ruins almost every day and it's hard for me to believe that the elites invented history itself to make us all more acquiescent taxpayers or to uh, get us to take their developed at warp speed COVID-19 vaccines. I don't really see the connection there. And I do include in the article for this podcast a video that I actually filmed there at the Roman ruins here where I live in Southeastern Europe, maybe you want to go and check that out. But I can kind of understand where this guy is coming from. On the internet, you'll encounter an increasing number of extreme skeptics who see everything as a hoax or conspiracy that they can't verify from personal Experience. Have you never been to Australia? Well, Australia must be a hoax. Have you never been to space? Then the world must be flat. It's all too easy to become so disillusioned with our society's authoritative institutions, media, university, science, government, etc., that everything we've been told must be a lie. This is, uh, that's something that it seems like a lot of people are succumbing to. Nowadays, the other night I was talking to my wife about how there used to be a world where reputation and integrity mattered. Now, nearly every monolithic institution is regarded by the public as problematic at best and hopelessly corrupt at worst. Okay, for example, universities, everyone knows that they are, or almost everyone, I think, knows that they are hopelessly corrupted by cultural Marxism and the statist paradigm. Every U.S. president that I can remember in my lifetime, and I'm 36 years old, every U.S. president was mired in scandal and controversy. The first U.S. president I remember was Bill Clinton. And I remember sitting in grade school watching endless news coverage of his sordid affair there in the Oval Office with Monica Lewinsky. Speaking of public school, public education is a sad joke. Young people spend 12 years sitting at desks in rows, being educated ostensibly, and they are barely qualified upon graduation to make $8 an hour. Bad science is an insidious problem. I've done some videos, some deep-dive articles, some podcasts, some book reviews on the topic of bad science, and it really is a problem. Bad incentives increasingly drive researchers to falsify data, and hysterical moralism demands strict dogmatic adherence to Ideology in the institutions of science. The design of human clinical trials must be closely scrutinized because so many studies cut corners to produce the desired result. Politicians and government seem hopelessly corrupt everywhere. I mean, I think maybe with the exception of of, of Switzerland And Uruguay, or Uruguay, to uh, pronounce it a bit more like an Uruguayan. Uh, With the exception of maybe those two countries, uh, yeah, government and politics seem hopelessly corrupt. Everywhere, wherever you're listening in to this podcast in the world, you can probably write me a quick comment and say, Yeah, Jonathan, our politicians are, are awful. Here, uh, politicians around the world uh, regarded as virtue signaling traitors in slick suits, just uh, criminals that are above the law. The Catholic Church used to be, and it's 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 kind of hard to re- to to imagine this, but the Catholic Church used to be a respected moral compass of. Society, but now it's just the butt of endless bad jokes. Let's talk about the police. Um, the police used to be really respected. Being a police officer used to be a that used to be a respectable job, right? And now, um, uh, at least talking about America, where I'm from, uh, police are regarded as corrupt and perhaps uh, racist thugs who abuse their power the police are regarded as corrupt by both the uh, conservatives and liberals for a long time conservatives respected the police they backed the blue so to speak but but now the police have become so corrupt that most conservatives don't even support them anymore that's that's pretty bad people used to respect the armed forces, but now it's becoming clear and clear that war is a racket, and that the armed forces, that the the people serving uh, in the military, air force, navy, whatever, it's become becoming clear and clear that they are just the thugs of the military-industrial complex, the mainstream media and the nightly news are seemingly just a Pravda-esque ministry of disinformation. Now, almost everybody knows that the news is fake more often than not. What about the business world? Well, the business world, at least in the West, in English-speaking countries, uh, used to be regarded as a bastion of meritocracy. If you work hard, you'll make something of yourself. Pull yourself up by your uh, shoestrings, right? Now, that's not really the case anymore, though. In this globalized world of commerce, it seems like in the business world, everything is just a race to The bottom, it seems like the the business world has become almost as corrupt as the political world, right? Speaking of of a really sordid corner of the business world, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley used to be this amazing geyser of technological innovation, inventing amazing things that made our lives better, But now, big tech, as it's called, is recognized as one of the most subversive forces undermining civilization relentlessly with their addictive distraction technology, uh, their disregard for free speech, their surveillance capitalism, and their monopolistic practices. I think back about 10 years, maybe a little bit more than 10 years, maybe 15 years ago. Do you remember this this tremendous sense of, of optimism that you had, especially if you were kind of a geeky kind of person, if you were a person that liked technology? Do you remember this tremendous sense of optimism that we had about 10, 15 years ago when it just seemed like technology was going to solve everything when it just seemed like all this brilliant technology was just going to it was just going to make all of our lives better and better and better forever until we were living in this dreamlike utopia remember when that used to be the outlook boy that was that was a different world remember when google's unofficial slogan used to be don't be evil boy that was that was a different google that we all believed in wasn't it imagine a world decades decades ago when all these institutions were respected and trusted that world is gone isn't it the downstream effect of all these societal pillars losing credibility in the eyes of the public is that now one-third of millennials don't believe, or at least they aren't certain, that the world is round. They are uh, flat earth curious, right? And many people think that they have magically traveled to a Different dimension because of popular movie line misquotations you can think of in Star Wars where Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. And that's a tremendously popular movie line misquotation of when Darth Vader said, no, Luke, I am your father. That's a uh, famous Mandela effect which Mandela effects are something that a lot of people are obsessed with nowadays. I made a, uh, I made a documentary actually exposing this and explaining uh, explaining it in a rational way. I do recommend that you check that out. I'll make sure to have that linked in the article below, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So a disturbingly large portion of society now just don't believe anything that they don't see with their own eyes. That's something, isn't it? So what's the solution to this? It, it seems like a big problem when we don't have any type of consensus reality. I think that society really needs to have some faith in A character that we used to both respect and fear. The devil. Yes, that old wily hooved bastard. I'll explain. All these institutions that we used to trust have been cutting a lot of corners. And we've lost faith in them. As we should, really. I'm clearly writing from an American perspective here. And in the past 50 years or so, we've seen a great secularization of the intelligentsia of society. Increasingly, those heading the most prestigious of institutions are non-practicing or non-religious people. I've been very religious and also very secular in my life and it really does change your mindset i've gone on a journey from being a very passionate evangelical young person very religious young person to being agnostic to being an atheist and i'm now a christian I'm not quite as religious and zealous as I used to be. And from my own experience, I'm going to contend that secular, I'm going to contend that it makes a difference. Being religious and having a level of belief in some moral system in a power greater than yourself out there it really does make a difference in the level, in the standards that you have, in the morality that you practice in your own life. And I contend that secular institutions, which is what we've had for about 50 years, I'll contend that they are more susceptible to corruption because, as a secular person, there's no real downside to corruption and cheating as long as you get away with it. And a lot of times you do get away with it, especially if you're smart, if you're part of the intelligentsia, Uh, you can a lot of times get away with cheating. That's kind of the sad truth. Secular institutions will inevitably devolve into a Darwinian ends justifies the means struggle for resources, power, and prestige. Genuinely, religious people have a different kind of motivation. They seriously believe that they will face judgment in the afterlife for their misdeeds in this life. Sure, there's plenty of religious people who have done bad things, but if you've known as many religious people as I have and an equal amount of secular people, you know that there is a big difference in trustworthiness between between religious and secular people. Religious people believe either metaphorically or literally that The devil is at their door, knocking. There he is. Oh no. So (laughs) they are fearful and avoidant of temptation that might lead them to greater sin. Moving forward. In America, people are mad. I know people are mad in a lot of places, but I'm American, so that's what I'll use as an example. It's easy to assume that it's this very controversial president we currently have that has ignited people's passions and animosity, but I'll make the case that it's more complicated than that. And it's funny, I wrote this article a while back when we had the previous controversial president that, uh, that people hated, that half the people really, really hated. So, so, so whichever controversial and hated president is the uh, occupant of the Oval Office, I'll make a philosophical point that I think will we'll apply. Okay, philosophers and scientists recognize memes as embedded life forms. Memes are ideas that take on a life of their own. So memes are much more than just those funny images that you see on the internet. Memes are things like socialism, atheism, capitalism, liberalism, Islam, Christianity, nationalism, globalism. You get the idea. Ideas that take on a life of their own. These memes uh, behave and they adapt, grow, and compete for resources in a very Darwinian way. Often violence ensues when memes bump up against each other. That's something that you see over and over again in history, both, both uh, recent and, uh, and deep history i contend that what we're seeing in america is a heightened level of friction between competing memes that makes sense right in this darwinian environment of competition it becomes so much easier to hate the other to hate the white man for predatory capitalism or a the, the history of colonialism. To hate the Jew for the degenerate Hollywood culture they project around the world. To hate the black man for making cities unsafe. To hate liberals for their political correctness. Or to hate women for the short-sighted hedonistic decisions they make that have resulted in an asymmetrical sexual marketplace there was a podcast i was listening to recently i think it was the brett weinstein fellow and he was being interviewed by lex friedman and in the podcast they were referencing some study that was done with social media and they figured out that the way to have the, the most viral type of tweet, the most viral type of political tweet was when you were identifying a problem and then blaming a identity group for that particular problem, saying it's their fault. So if I wanted to come up with a really a really viral tweet because I'm always, I'm always disappointed in the virality of my tweets. I'll come up with like some really clever tweets and then, uh, and then, then they get like two retweets, you know, it's pretty, pretty disappointing. But if I wanted to, I suppose, be a more effective tweeter, I would say, don't you hate it when mosquitoes bite your ankles during the summertime and you, and your, and your ankles are just itching well, you know, this is really the fault of those damn Eskimos. If it wasn't for those Eskimos, then we wouldn't have this issue with these mosquitoes biting our ankles during the summertime. Actually, I think that's, that's too long of a tweet to, uh, to fit. That would probably exceed the, uh, the character limit, but you, you get the idea. Unfortunately, the uh, social media just connects to our uh, our in-group out-group evolutionary psychology in a in a scary scary way and here is where the devil is needed those who believe in the devil have this unseen character to blame for everything that they see as wrong with society it's The devil that is causing all the evil and strife that we see in the world. Not your fellow man. And in any society, at any time, at any place, there's always going to be strife. There's always going to be ire. There's always going to be problems. You're never going to have a perfect utopian society. And as long as you have the devil, you have something to blame for that. As opposed to blaming a uh, blaming a kin group that is not your own. My mother, uh, great example here. My mother was quite red pelt uh, from a young age. I remember her, and I remember that she was against feminism. She was against the political correctness and liberalism of. The time, uh, the, the same forces that we now see just ravaging our culture. But here's an important point. She never hated anyone. Our best family friends were a black fr- family. Our neighbors were a Mexican family. And I never recall my mother Uh, disparaging them or disparaging anyone else who was a, a different, you know, identity group. Unsurprisingly, she voted Republican consistently, but she didn't hate Democrats. And she was a deeply religious woman. The other was never her enemy the The other identity group out there was never the person that she uh, that she really blamed for uh, society's problems, and she was kind of a political person. She was. She, we would talk about deep things. We would talk about the things that were wrong with the world, and her enemy was always the devil. So should we all be religious and believe in the devil? Well. You have to decide that for yourself, but I know that I'd rather live in a society where people believe in and fear the devil. When we stop believing in the devil, we succumb to our carnal and primal lusts that corrupt everything and our in-group out-group instincts become so easily inflamed you might be thinking at this point okay okay jonathan interesting argument people can believe whatever they want but i'm a rational secular person i don't believe in invisible gods or demons that i don't see evidence for so i'm not on board with this. Well, yeah, I can respect that. I can understand that. I'm a mindset guy and a pragmatist before being a rationalist. Rationality is very important to me, but being pragmatic, that's a little bit more... That, that ranks just a little bit higher for me. The guy who didn't believe in history is taking rationalism to its furthest extreme. If you go and listen to his podcast, that's what you'll hear. He refuses to even have a quantum of faith in the historians of a different time who delivered to us the story of the past. There are certain beliefs and mindsets that... May or may not be true, but they are very helpful and result in human thriving. And I would say that belief in the devil is one of them. Even the most rational and materialist among us choose beliefs based upon preference. If you haven't read, a few books on the subject, you don't really have a rational basis for your position or belief on a topic. Let me say that again. If you haven't read a few books on a a subject, any given subject, uh, politics, uh, medicine, health, religion, sex, whatever, If you haven't read at least a few books on a topic, you, I'm sorry, don't have a rational basis for your your position, your, your opinion on it. So I'd encourage you, if you're a rational, secular kind of person, I'd encourage you to get a little outside of your intellectual comfort zone and read some books about the devil. When I was younger, I read some books making the case for the devil with some very harrowing accounts of people's interactions and experiences with a dark and malevolent spiritual force. If you don't believe in the devil, read these books with a skeptical eye and then ask yourself if doubting the devil is worth doubting everything, and I will in the article version of this podcast that's linked below. I'll include some books about the devil, about demonology that I think might be worth a read. To uh, yeah, to, uh, <laughs> at the least, it'll it'll creep you out a bit, and I know that a lot of us uh, enjoy being a bit being a bit creeped out sometime and perhaps it will uh yeah perhaps it'll philosophically uh, base you a little bit more i'm jonathan and i'm getting into some uh i don't know if this is controversial everybody seems to have a, a strong opinion when it comes to uh disinformation when it comes to the breakdown of society when it comes to the culture wars when it comes to religion people seem to have a a strong take on that so do leave me a comment do uh, shoot me a message an email let me know what you think i'm jonathan with limitless mindset looking forward to a continued conversation with you